Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Hey, it's Pastor Mark. Glenda and I have been away this week on holidays, resting up a little bit and also working on prayer series that we will be launching very soon. We're excited about that. But I wanted to share with you today some good news that I couldn't wait till I came back. So that good news is that Dave Gagne has officially become a licensed worker in the Christian Missionary Alliance Church. That's great news. It shows his dedication to what he's wanting to accomplish here at the gate. So before he comes to speak this morning, let's congratulate him. All right, we'll see you soon. Hey, yes, that's exciting news. That just happened on Wednesday, so quite pleased to be part of the Alliance family now in more ways than one. Welcome to the Alliance. Thank you. Well, good morning. Thank you. And uh, it's great to be in God's house this morning worshiping him. Well, thank you, worship team, for leading us as well. And uh, for, for Sam, yeah, just, yeah, you know, that was worthy, God's worthy to be praised. You know, you may have come here this morning with a heavy heart or a bad report or maybe an aching body, but we have to remember that the battle is not ours, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. So we've heard a few weeks ago where um, from Pastor Mark where King Jehoshaphat sent out the choir, sent the band ahead in the battle, right? So this morning we weren't just singing pretty songs to our God. We weren't. We were proclaiming who he is, lifting his name high, giving him glory for who he is. His is the battle, and he is victorious over those heavy hearts, over those achy bodies and those burdens, and he's worthy of our praise. So I am very humbled once again to be able to, to bring the word of God this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark and Glenda are on vacation. As you saw, they're enjoying themselves. He's been sending me pictures of food all week long. I don't know what. Lobster. It's like lobster after lobster. <laughs> I'm so thankful for their example in our lives as followers of Christ, but also very, very thankful and very blessed to have them as our shepherds. Please keep them lifted in prayers. They are coming home tomorrow. Keep them in prayers for safe journey and safe return. So this message series we've been going through is on our responses to God. And today we're going to talk about obedience. But before we do that, you know, it's funny because Isabel and I, we, we, we work in the same building, right? We work in the same office, we live in the same apartment. We sleep in the same bed. So she had to pick these messages, these songs rather. She had to pick these songs earlier in the week to plan for practice. I finished my message yesterday afternoon. So when we were singing Waymaker, oh dear, my glasses. It's okay, I'll figure it out. But it's, um, thank you. We brought you the sparkly ones. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to bedazzle these one day for me. <laughs> uh, we were singing that uh, the last verse. You are turning lives around, and you are mending every heart. 
And if I had to sum up the message today, that is the heart of this message on obedience. So I'm really thankful that uh, Bell was obedient in selecting the right songs for us this morning to sing. This message series we've been going through is on responses, and we're going to be talking about obedience. So, and I want us to personalize it this morning. It's not our obedience, but it's my obedience, hence the title. How is it that you respond to God's commands? How do you respond by being convicted by his word and by the Holy Spirit? How do you respond to the challenges that arise from being convicted? Do you follow God's way to change, to allow your heart to change, to change your words, to change your actions, and even our thoughts? The fact is, in order for us to be obedient, we must, we must, we must, I hope I wasn't unclear, we must be open to be changed because we're challenged by being convicted of the disobedience that we're living according to God's word and the commandments that he has for right living for us. So I wish to begin this morning with a secret. Can you all keep a secret? We're in church, right? We can keep secrets, right? You'll need to remember this for later. Are you ready? Here it is. The enemy has no problem with you hearing the word of God when you do nothing with it. Ouch. We're going to continue in this series in 1 Samuel, and I'm going to be encouraging us to live a life of obedience. Now, I'm sure there's some of you that cringe when you hear that word. You've shut down, you've turned off, but stay with me. When we hear the word obey, let's be honest, none of us like being told what to do, right? We don't, to obey. After all, didn't God design us with free will? free choice so we get to choose how to live the decisions we make our own the answer is yes absolutely we do we have free will to either choose to obey or not obey and what I mean by that is this when it comes to being a follower of Christ what I mean is if we are not obeying we are disobeying which is a choice and with all of our choices there's either benefits or consequences. And that is where we're going to start today in our reading. If you turn with me to 1 Samuel, we're still in our text of 1 Samuel, turn to chapter 2, and we're going to begin at verse 12. And it begins and says, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. So let's stop there a moment Can you imagine being a parent and this is the legacy that your sons leave for generations to come to remember them by? Some Bible versions say, uh, calls them the sons of Belial, which meant that they were men of no worth. They were worthless men and they were men that would lead others to worship other false gods. So let's continue in our reading. Now it was a practice of the priests that whenever any of the people offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged fork in his hand while the meat was being boiled and would plunge the fork into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot. 
Whatever the fork brought up, the priest would take for himself. This is how they treated all the Israelites who came to Shiloh. But even before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the person who was sacrificing, Give the priest some meat to roast. He won't accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. If the person said to him, let the fat be burned first and then take whatever you want, the servant would answer, no, hand it over now. If you don't, I'll take it by force. The sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. You see, the sacrifice offering was required to be handled in a certain manner that was pleasing to God. But Eli's sons whose names, by the way, are Hophni and Phinehas, they did things their own way. They took for themselves what was meant for God. Now, it's no wonder that this is going on during these times. If we look chronologically back to a book that precedes 1 Samuel, we can find at the end of Judges, in verse 21 to 25, it says this. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. Other translations put it this way. Everyone did what they thought was right. Whatever they pleased. Whatever they wanted. They did whatever seemed right in their own opinion. Well, we like to think much has changed since then. And indeed, much has changed. But much has also remained the same in the hearts of people since the beginning of time. Think about Adam and Eve in the garden. And they did what they pleased and sinned against God. Romans 5, 19, the first part of it says this, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. Consequences. We can read story after story after story in the scriptures, starting with Genesis all the way to maps. And we, yeah, did you get that? And <laughs> Thank you, front row. <laughs> How many Bibles have maps at the back? Okay. <laughs> I got to explain them. <laughs> Starting in Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we can read about people just like us. That they love God. Desire wholeheartedly to serve and worship him. And end up disobeying his commandments. And his ways. And we say to ourselves, man, didn't they get it? Why did they keep on making the same mistakes? Why did they disobey? Did they not know that there's consequences when they disobey? Think about Moses, for example. God instructed him to strike a rock to get water out of it. And Moses struck the rock twice. And by doing this, he disobeyed God and was not permitted into the promised land. And yet, are we any different? Or am I just speaking alone up here this morning? Right? Amen? When we do whatever we please in our own eyes, that we do what seems right based on our own opinions, when we do what serves us best, do you know what God calls that? Sin. Speak it out. Sin. 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 It's sin. Back to Samuel, 1 Samuel. And this is where we find Eli's sons. They're living and they're leading openly in defiance to the Lord God. They were taking the best of what was supposed to be used for atoning for sins. Because back then, things of value were sacrificed unto God to atone for people's sins. So Eli's sons, they were taking what was meant for God, consuming it for their own pleasure. So 
So it's very safe to say from the outset, they're being very disobedient. Now it's easy for us to look at that and see the situation like that and see that they're disobeying God. So what does obedience look like when it comes to being a Christian, a follower of Christ? Obedience is a practical acceptance of the authority and will of God. It includes both submitting to him and then expressing that submission in our actions, our words, and our thoughts. Anything short of absolute obedience is disobedience. Anything short of absolute obedience is disobedience. So let's read a little further in 1 Samuel, in verse 15, at verse 22. It says, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. This is when Samuel was talking and addressing Saul in this verse. Verse 23 says, Rebellion is as the sin of divination, which can be said that disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft. You see, disobedience is a voluntary act of rebellion to the authority and the will of our Lord God. Disobedience is an open challenge or resistance to the authority of God. To quote John Piper, says, witchcraft or divination is seeking to know what to do in a way that ignores the word and counsel of God. And that is exactly what disobedience is based on. God says one thing and we say, I think that I will consult another source of wisdom. Namely, what? Myself. We consult the tiny wizard of our own wisdom. And then we, we make a choice to go on our way. We've not only chosen to consult ourselves as an alternative to God, but in doing so, we actually consider ourselves wiser than God. We think to ourselves, I did that. That choice I made, that's mine. That's all me. Look at me and see that I am good. Ouch. By being disobedient, we open ourselves up to idolatry because we worship ourselves above worshiping God. Each year I ask the Lord for a word, a single word that I can focus on during the year. And one year it was hope, and one year it was serve. And the, my word for 2020 is intentional. And I share that word with you this morning because obedience must be intentional. God does not make us obey. How many of you had a parent that made you obey? Raven, keep your hand down. <laughs> Right? We, I think we probably could attest all of us did. Did you enjoy it? No. No. Shaking her head, no. Of course not. Sometimes we required that correction. I'm pretty sure I did growing up. But sometimes we did not enjoy the process of being made to fall in line and obey. I recall a moment that our middle son, he's not here, so I'll pick on him. Um, <laughs> that's how it goes. <laughs> Show up for church, son. <laughs> uh, Perry, he had been given an opportunity of being trusted to do as he and I agreed. It was a mutual agreement between he and I. 
After discovering that he disobeyed me, there were consequences in keeping with his disobedience. I won't throw him under the bus and tell you what he did, but it was pretty bad. So, so the consequences were equally unenjoyable for him. Our Heavenly Father does not force us into obedience. He's given us free will to choose to obey with our choices. There's always going to be benefits and consequences. Those who confess to be Christian intentionally obey God. That's what sets us apart from the rest of the world. It's not about how well you sing. It's not about how well your preaching sounds. It's not about how well you know how to play church. It's about how you obey. It's about the motives of our heart. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 32 and 33, Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. With keeping the motives of your heart and mind, one thing to remember is that obedience must be immediate. Hapaku. Hapaku. I like how that sounds. It's a Greek word where we get the word to obey from. It means to listen attentively, to heed, or conform to a command or authority. This word conveys the idea of immediate and active following of a command. Hapaku. A good example of this is found in Luke 19, 5 to 6, where Jesus says, uh, when Jesus came to this place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down, and he received him gladly. There was an immediate action to the command. That's hapaku. Now, I'm sure if I've not stepped in cornflakes today of yours, I'm probably about to. And this is for me, too. Have you considered that procrastination is a form of disobedience? Ouch! It's procrastination, it's the act or habit of putting off or delaying, especially something that requires our immediate attention. Of anything you can possibly think of, does following God's ways sound like something that a Christian should immediately do? Every head should be nodding. At all times? Yes. Right. The answer is yes to both. Now, I'm not talking about putting off changing to snow tires in the autumn or, or doing the dishes in the morning instead of tonight. What I'm talking about is this, that God's been speaking to you, to your heart by his Holy Spirit, and you're ignoring his direction. I'm talking about reading God's word and the ink jumps off the page, slaps you alongside your head and tells you to change your ways for you're trapped in sin. And God's word shows you the escape route. But instead, you decide to close your Bible. You turn off your app and you disengage and you dig yourself into a deeper mess then only later you'll find yourself coming to God, crying out, why didn't you help me? Why didn't you rescue me? Why didn't you speak to me? Delaying obedience to God is simply disobedience. When you know God is speaking to you, directing you, guiding you, revealing a new path to you, 
Do not put it off. Obedience requires your immediate attention. Obedience must also be absolute. We do not have the right to select which parts of what God has commanded us to do. To pick and choose which we obey and disregard or rather disobey. You know, we love to do that. We love to substitute a word. Well, I'm just disregarding God's commands. No, we're disobeying. Say it, call it what it is. Some of us do this, and, and in doing so, we hope that God blesses us for the parts that we were obedient to. Right? To act in this manner, once again, is disobedience without exception. When Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he was specific in his wording when he wrote in 2 Corinthians 2.9, another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. And in Psalm 119.4, the word says, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. God's commands are to be fully obeyed. When I was a young boy, I enjoyed this book series that was called Choose Your Own Adventures. Anybody remember those? Anyone my age? <laughs> right? Choose Your Own Adventures. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. They were great. Uh, these books were great because there was multiple endings within the same book. So everyone starts on chapter one. And when you get to that end of the chapter, you get to decide the next steps of the character. So it could be something as simple as you decide to go to, through the door, so turn to page 40. Or you decide to climb the ladder, turn to page 55. Or you decide to go for a swim, turn to page 60. So you get to that chapter, you read that chapter, and you get to the end of that chapter, and you'd have all these decisions to make once again. It was great, a lot of fun. Um, you get to keep picking and keep choosing until you complete your own adventure. Unfortunately, far too many people who confess to follow Christ in the greatest adventure we could ever live want to be able to pick and choose how we maneuver through life. We want to be able to choose which commandments we obey and which ones don't even apply to us. Sometimes we even make excuses or we justify why we're not doing what God is asking us to do. We convince ourselves how our circumstances make us the exception to the rule. We tell ourselves that God's commands don't really apply to our situation. Now when we choose to respond to God and his word in this manner, remember the secret I shared at the beginning? The enemy has no problem with you hearing the word of God when you do nothing with it. The fact of the matter is when you're reading the word, when you are hearing the promptings of the Holy Spirit, but you reject either and you refuse to act upon it, your heart becomes hardened against our Lord God. The enemy has no issue with you reading or hearing because you've hardened your heart to hearing from God. In Jeremiah 18, 11, 12, it says this, Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. This was a clear warning from God. And continues on and says, 
But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. When we follow our own ways, we're not following God's ways. It's no wonder that when the world looks at us in the church, they see no urgency in our obedience, in our hearts ready to repent. Why would those who do not follow Christ turn from their wicked ways when God's people delay and put off being obedient themselves? What right do we have to tell unbelievers to repent now when we ourselves are procrastinators when it comes to being obedient to God? Now, I'd love to be able to shout from the top of the Skyline Tower to all of Niagara Falls that it's time for God's people to be obedient, not out of obligation, not out of legalism, but because of our love for our God. The desire that we have to live a life of obedience to his ways so that we can see our city changed and those that do not know him can come into a relationship with him. That's a benefit of being obedient. In John 14, 21, we read, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show them to myself. What an amazing promise. In James 1, 22 to 24, we read, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Sam read for us earlier from Matthew about hearing Jesus' words. Those that hear and put into practice are like wise men. Those that do not are considered fools. Absolute, intentional, and immediate obedience is not impossible with Christ in us. And as followers of Christ, it is required of us. So let's return to our text in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 22. We're going to read all the way to verse 34. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people about these wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of everything, every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore, the Lord, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, 
Far be it from me, those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house, so that no one in it will reach old age, and you will see distress in my dwelling. Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. And what happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, will be assigned to you. They will both die on the same day. Now we're going to skip ahead to another chapter, sort of like choose your own adventure book. Let's uh, find ourselves in chapter 4. 1 Samuel 4 at verse 10 says this. So the Philistines fought and the Israelites were defeated and every man fled to his tent. The slaughter was great. Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, died. And then a few verses later in verse 18, when the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backward from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was old and overweight, and he had been Israel's judge for 40 years. Did you hear that? Not only Eli's sons were killed the same day, the ark of God was captured. When Eli heard this, he fell, he broke his neck, and died. Now, if that's not consequence enough, he is remembered for being, let me see here, a quote, being old and overweight. Why is that detail in the scriptures? <laughs> and where's Samuel in all of this? We go back. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with the people. Disobedience, obedience. What we need to know from all of this is that, that disobedience to God does have consequences. And this is one of many, many stories in the scriptures that we can read and we can learn from. Learn what to do, learn what not to do. We read earlier in Romans 5, I want to finish that. Uh, we just read the first part. So it says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many were be made righteous. The obedience of one man through the obedience of our Lord Jesus and only through him we've been made righteous because of him. Luke 9, 23 to 24, we read, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give your, up your life for my sake, you will save it. Our obedience requires a heart that is ready to give up on our own ways, to take up our cross daily and to follow Jesus. Our heart needs to be a heart that is ready to repent of our ways. Now, some people believe that following Jesus means to simply be a better version of who they already are. And that is so far away from what Jesus is calling each and every person to be. He's calling us to be a more accurate reflection of who he is. More of him, less of us. More of him, less of me. To repent is to change one's mind. And more specifically, it is to change one's mind for the better, heartily to amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. So in other words, 
to despise with your whole heart the sins you committed against God and to change your ways moving forward. As you follow God, he is going to ask you to trust him. We spoke about that earlier in in prayer start. We trust the Lord, and he's going to ask you to trust him in his ways, not yours. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter was preaching to a group of people who became convicted by the truth. They asked Peter, what should we do? How should we respond? And Peter replied, each of you must repent your sins and turn to God. What message was it that John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness? His message was repent of your sins and turn to God as found in Matthew 3.2. And of course we read later on in Matthew 4.17 that Jesus preaches the same message. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is still the same message for God's people today. The message has always been about change, to change what you're doing, to change what you're following, to change from following what you think is right to what God's word says is true. And here's the amazing thing about change. Even this very moment as I'm speaking, God is talking to you about an area in your life that you need to repent of and change so that you may grow in becoming more like Jesus. Let me say this and be sure to hear these words. To hear God talk to you about change is not a sign of spiritual immaturity or weakness. On the contrary, it's a sign that God is working in your life and it's a sign of spiritual growth. I would be concerned if you told me that you haven't heard God asking you to change in some area of your life because this would mean that you're not listening to God and you're not being obedient to his direction. If this is you, my prayer for you this morning, even before we began our service, my prayer for you this morning is that you would have ears to hear from his word and from his Holy Spirit, that you would allow your heart to be receptive. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15, we read, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Worship team, could you please join me? For those of you following in our online daily devotional, you will have read this uh, recently as of February 11th from Black Bees Experiencing God. Now, side note, if you're not following along and you'd like to join in, there's a great community, online community, that's going through a daily devotional, and you can comment and participate and encourage one another. So if you're interested in being part of that, email me. I'll send you the sign-up instructions. But I want to close today with this challenge from the February 11th devotional, and it reads this. If I were to ask you, do you love God, you might easily respond, yes. However, if I were to ask you, are you obeying God, would you answer yes as quickly? Yet I would be asking you the same question. Genuine love for for God leads to wholehearted obedience. We assume that God is satisfied with occasional love or partial obedience. He's not. Obedience without love is legalism. Obedience for its own sake can be nothing more than perfectionism, which leads to pride. 
Many Christians seek to cultivate discipline in their lives to be more obedient to Christ. As helpful as spiritual disciplines can be, they can never replace your love for God. Love is the discipline. God looks beyond your godly habits, beyond your moral lifestyle, and beyond your church involvement, and focuses his penetrating gaze upon your heart. Obedience to God's commands comes from your heart. Would you allow God to speak to you today? Will you listen to him speaking to you through his word and by his Holy Spirit? And as I said at the beginning, we all have free will, freedom to choose. And so my prayer for each person here, for each believer in our city, is that we would obey our Lord. Not because we have to, not out of obligation, not out of being legalistic, but because our hearts are overflowing with love for our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we conclude. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, we worship you. We've come together today and gathered as your church to lift your name high above all names, to lift your name high above all circumstances or situations. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you. Speaking to our hearts that we would hold tightly to what we've heard and that as we move forward in our walk with you that we would choose to make right choices. That we would live a life devoted to you, a life that demonstrates obedience through our actions, through our words and thoughts. And I pray and ask, Lord, that you give us strength for those of us that keep making excuses, that keep putting off and heeding your counsel through your word and Holy Spirit. Your word says that you give strength to those who wait on you, that you renew our strength. So Lord, we wait on you this morning. Search our hearts and reveal to us any area we need to bring into submission to your ways. When we are weak, you are strong. I pray that your church will be a beacon in our city. That those who do not know you can hear, can see and hear that there's something uniquely different about those who follow Christ. That we are set apart, that we, we are called out, that we are peculiar people. Because we choose to live our lives in bold obedience. Which is counter to the culture around us, but which is God's ways for right living and will bring him glory. May you be lifted high this morning and may we be encouraged and know that all things are possible through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work you're doing in the lives of your people today. Have your way in our hearts, in our lives, and may you receive the glory for the many testimonies of changed hearts today. In your name I pray and give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. 
We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.